Welcome to the Hot Ticket Podcast. This is episode 98. On this episode, we break down the EP Carrillo La Historia, which happens to be one of my all-time favorite cigars. But I promise you, I will not be biased. I'll be as objective as possible in this review. So as always, sit back, listen, and enjoy. Uh, of all food. I mean, I eat every day. <laughs> so there's always, there's a component of every single day where I do did eat. You? <laughs> did you? I mean, I did go to Locke, which is, as you know, is like my favorite place to eat of all time. Is it food related? Uh, and no, it's not food related. You caught, you caught fish? This, this should, I did catch fish. So yesterday was my day off. Yeah. I took a day off of work for the first time this year, which was Super neat. It was you much benched neat. 220. No, I did go to the gym though. But I started off the morning with smoke. Smoke the guardian of the dog, which is Agonorsa and um, yeah. Warped. Right? Yeah. So I smoked that in the morning with my coffee. It's delicious. Fantastic experience. It was like rainy and cold at this time, by the way. And then um, I was a little bit lazy. I was going to start painting the basement, but then I realized I didn't want to do it. Yeah. And then uh, I ended up getting ready, got dressed, went to the gym. When I came back from the gym, I literally saw where the storm was starting to like dissipate. Yeah. It was becoming more scattered. The rain, it wasn't raining as hard. And I was, I literally thought to myself, I go, this is a really good time for me right now to go fishing. Yeah. These fish are going to go nuts after this storm passes through. Cause then it was really windy. Like the yeah. whole thing was like the rest of the day was going to be super windy. Yeah. So it's like, okay, this is all going to pass through. And then it's just going to be like sunny, warm, windy. This is perfect. So I pack my shit up. I'm walking in the rain and I can see the end of it. Like it's sunny out and yeah. I'm still getting drenched on. Yeah. I walk over, get to the park. As soon as I toss in, bam, Smack. bam. No, I, no one there? I was the only one there at the beginning, which was awesome because I like being able to fish the place myself. Yeah. Um, by the time I rotated like halfway around the pond, two other guys showed up and I was catching them the whole time. I mean, in an hour and 15 minutes, I caught eight bass. That's the best I've ever done there. It's a small pond. That's yeah. like tough to do. Yeah. So I was, I was tickled. Well, I make my way around the other side and I catch two quick ones, like right back to back. And the dude across the pond yells at me. What he, are you using? He, he goes, what are you using? Of course he did. And I was happy. I mean, I didn't care. I told him, I, I just held up. I was like, it's a chartreuse tra- uh, crankbait. I was like, this muddy water, I put in the brightest thing I could find and the fastest thing I could find. And I was like, I've just been killing it. He literally is like, I got one in my tackle box. I see him tie it on. He throws in immediately catches oh, one. Shit. <laughs> He's like, thank you so much. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like all three of us who were there because his friend was the other guy with him. Yeah. We were all catching fish. We were just rotating around the pond. Just listen them. for any. No- I think I'm going to go today too. For any so nice novice out. fisherman. The trick is, is to create contrast in the water because the reality is, is fish have a hard time seeing. So you need to create as much contrast as possible. Why Corey used a big flashy bait and, you know, that uh, real, real murky water. Yep. And then if it's sunny out, sometimes having a real dark bait's nice. A bright one works too, really, but. Yeah, so, so, yeah, what I did was, especially because the water was so muddy, it had just stormed and it was super windy. Yeah. I was like, well, I know the fish are going to get stirred up, but if I try to jig, they're never going to see it. Something that's a darker, darker in color and slow moving, it's just not going to happen. Yeah. So like, I'm putting on the shiniest bait that I have, the brightest one, and I'm going to fish as fast as I can. So I brought my seven to one, 
and I was just burning through that pond, like against the wind. The wind's going yeah. crazy. I mean, it was super windy yesterday, and it was like one after another. And that first one, the one that I sent the picture on, yeah, you can tell in the picture, it is a hog, dude. His That's mouth a big was fan. huge. Did you stick your finger in its butt? He was, he was. Um, so for a small pond, I yeah. didn't, I didn't do the thumb in the butt trick. You didn't get his his dorsal fin. I up? didn't get him all perked up. Yeah, you got to get him all perked. Uh, he was. That was the first one that I caught when I was there. And when I weighed him, he came in at 3.19 pounds. So oh, I have, shit. I actually have my and that's, that's, I think, the biggest one that I've caught in there. Well, I caught another one towards the end of the day. It was probably right around the same size. Listen, I think if you... They were pretty good. If anybody sticks a finger in your butt, it's going to make the hairs on your back stand up, right? Uh, it should. It should. It'll, <laughs> it should make anybody perk up. Because <laughs> when, <laughs> when I learned that trick, I'm like, what? You want me to do what? <laughs> Yeah, it's so weird. Like, it, yeah, yeah stick, stick your thumb, finger in its butt. Stick its thumb right in his asshole. Yeah, that is a weird trick, but it does. It perks everything up. It makes the makes the fence in the back just perk right up. I know it made me perk. That's and for fish sure. have rectums, and they're really easy to find. <laughs> like I've had bass shit all over me before, and it's it's atrocious, but it happens. It's a it's a common thing. I've seen them shit all over a boat when they get caught. Like you just see this stream of fucking shit. If if someone told a, a beginning <laughs> beginning fisherman that there's there's a little bit of ass play involved, I'm pretty sure people would stop fishing. Yeah. <laughs> so what do I do to get this picture? Hey, you're gonna stick, you gotta stick your finger in its ass. <laughs> <laughs> stick it right in its pooper. That's pretty incredible. <laughs> But anyway, so to fast forward, <laughs> yeah. I did fish. I did do all those things, went out to dinner, but I ended up seeing Endgame last night. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, highly rated. And that's it. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's all I'm going to say. Yeah, I, it's highly rated. Yeah, it was amazing. It's worth all three of the hours you have to spend. Yeah. Although there was a girl next to me, this was fucking... Was she crying? Oh, my God. Dude, I was going to punt. She was a teenager, so she's probably yeah. a freshman in high school. Maybe in like eighth grade. Yeah. She was crying at a certain point in the movie. And at first I thought she just had the sniffles where she was just like, and it was like right next to me. I'm like, oh, that's fucking annoying. Then I figured out she was full on crying. Oh, yeah. So there's a point in the movie where she starts crying and an hour and a half later, she's still crying. That good. No. That ridiculous on her part. <laughs> Can you imagine? Like, there's this, no reason. This movie, it's so good. Yes, there's sad parts, but there's no reason for someone to be crying for a straight hour and a half. So, I'm a huge Marvel you know who movie fan. You know who you're talking to, right? I know. <laughs> I was say, I, I'm a huge Marvel movie fan. Right? Yeah. I've seen every single one. There's not one that I haven't seen. I've seen every, even back to the old shitty fucking Hulk movies. I've seen yeah. every single one of them. So I've got some sort of attachment. I usually go on the releases, like first weekend. I have an attachment to the series of movies yeah. that have come out and yeah. the characters. Yeah. I didn't even cry. I cried more at Bohemian Rhapsody than I did knowing that Freddie Mercury was already dead than any part of Endgame. So I was like, the yeah. fact that this girl is crying for a straight hour and a half. I, I, and then when we were walking away, I... I kind of turned and I was like, see you later, Sniffles Magoo. And I just walked out. I was like, Jesus Christ. It was so annoying. But it's a good three-hour movie. I'll put it that way. Yeah. It'd be worth seeing in the theaters again. The theaters were packed. Holy I, shit. I heard there's like another, like another stone that like no one knew about. 
that Thanos ends up getting, and then the, it actually helps him. I guess Thanos gets kidney stones. Kidney stone, yeah, the kidney stone, <laughs> <laughs> and that like changes the whole the whole thing. <laughs> That's exactly right. <laughs> He's just in pain, like all the oh! <laughs> and they're just beating the shit out of him. It was um, it, it was pretty intense. It, it's weird because it was like, this isn't spoil. I'm not giving any spoilers away. It's like predictable, but then not predictable. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's like it's literally called Endgame, so it's predictable. Yeah. But then it's also like what happens in the storyline isn't necessarily predictable. It's and it's weird. It was like it was strange for me to see. Because I always wondered how they were going to do it, how they tied all the different components and the different movies and the different, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like you got to tie all these things together finally. They all have to come together and they all have to make sense. Dude, hats off to the fucking writers, man. I don't know how they did it. They're brothers. It's crazy. Are they? Mm-hmm. Well, good for them. I'm pretty sure they're brothers. Because there's a guy that was on the news talking like, about it. brothers or <laughs> brothers? <laughs> uh... That'd be hilarious if it was both. <laughs> brother, brother. <laughs> yeah, that'd be crazy. But anyway, no spoilers. It was um, it was very entertaining and fun to watch. I'll put it that way. I heard everybody gets their moment, too. Um, yeah, for the most part, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, I mean, like, there's... I think, like most of the Marvel movies or the Avenger movies, there's always, like, the standout characters, so yeah. you, you can predict who those are. But, yeah, it was... um. It was pretty badass. I'm already crying. You know I'm gonna. Uh, you know me. You're not gonna cry. You you don't think? I don't know. Maybe at the end. I don't, dude. I don't know why I didn't. I didn't. I wasn't even emotional about some of the things that happened in there that I perhaps should have been. I was just like, like oh, gonna, that sucks. We're just gonna assume <laughs> and that just moved on. Some of your favorite characters die. It just kind of has to happen. Maybe. Uh, <laughs> maybe. Anyway. Maybe not. So moving on, I I read this, what I thought to be a really crazy story. Yeah. So we think of great whites in the ocean as being like the ultimate apex predator. Sure. Come to find out that they're not. not. really. (laughs) Come to find out that they're not at all. And I thought this was, okay, so the first part of this was not as interesting to me. And the fact that there's certain spots in the world where you have great whites feeding on mm-hmm. like sea lions and seals. South Africa. Yeah. South Africa, namely. Yeah. However, if a pod of orcas is coming through. Orcas and re- are dangerous, And researchers dude. just found this out. If there's a pod of orcas actually swimming through, these great white sharks through research. So they had to do like, they basically did like time studies. They had these great whites tagged and they couldn't figure out why they kept leaving these bays because they're like, the seal population's plentiful. Like why are, they're leaving safer areas for them to feed and going into more dangerous areas and they're like what is going on well the correlation ended up being pods of orcas coming through so apparently great whites are terrified of orcas so they made this correlation before they actually figured out why so they're looking at the research and going these great whites are abandoning these feeding areas and won't come back to them for almost a year just when a pod of orcas coming through and the great whites would leave within what they found out the correlation is two miles if the pot of orcas was two miles away, the sharks were gone. They would, and they wouldn't come back. Well, here's here's for an entire year. Here's one thing to consider: orca is a mammal, and they are actually significantly more intelligent than a great white. But secondly, there was a there was a video I watched of um, it was in San Francisco. It was in the Bay Area, mm-hmm. and it was um like 
a like a family doing those like boat tours where you can see whales and you can see like orcas because orcas do go through there as well but yeah. great whites are also in there because cooler waters right and um they were they noticed um they literally noticed an orca and its baby just gnawing at a fucking great white shark yeah that's what i was gonna get to oh really yeah oh i'm sorry so it's crazy so no that's it's good because you just you basically kind of segued into the craziest part about this. So before I was saying they made a correlation between the orcas coming in and the yeah. great whites moving, but they didn't know why. Yeah. It, it isn't like, it's not like the great whites have this false sense of fear no. about orcas. Something has to happen. Yeah. Something had to have happened for great whites to fear yeah. orcas. What orcas would do is orcas have this like insatiable appetite for like liver enzymes. Sushi. Basically. <laughs> What they would do is, is a pot of orcas would literally smash the great white to death. So they, so the way that they explained it, the way scientists explained it is it's like rolling up toothpaste, like a toothpaste bottle. How are they doing that? So they're smashing them like like with their faces at the end of their tails. And what they're doing is they're like basically exploding their insides. And then once the, basically once they squeeze all the organs and the shark dies, they only eat its liver. So here's how they made the correlation. It said five years later in South Africa, all these like these great white corpses kept coming up onto shore. Like shortly after they made the correlation between the pods coming in and just their livers missing. And the scientists said it's literally precision. They only eat the liver and everything else. They they just leave for other fish. How fucking crazy is that? That is pretty fucking crazy. So pods of orcas would come through, attack their great whites, eat their livers, and then move on. What? So now I didn't know that. the biggest, the most well-known ape, apex predator of the ocean is now being hunted by orcas. Yeah. And so scientists and researchers are actually trying to figure. So they said it's already started to affect the ecosystem in certain areas because now you don't have great whites feeding on populations of like seals sea and seals seal. are getting huge. Yeah. So now the population of seals is Jesus. like overgrowing because these fucking orcas. Now, orcas, I believe, do eat seal though. They do, but see, in these areas, they're only passing through. Uh, okay, gotcha. They're not, they're not staying. So that's the thing. Is like They're not kicking the great whites out and then like, feeding on the seals. Like, they're, in, they're like just, in Cali, orcas will eat seals. Yeah, they're, they're not doing that. They're not doing that in these areas. They're, it's, it's, it's literally just a path for them to move through wherever they're going. Listen. Pretty fucking Great nuts. white sharks, if you get evicted, you just need to find a cousin that you can stay the night with. There's plenty of goblin sharks way down in the ocean. Those dopey ass fucking ones. Yeah. <laughs> the dumb shark. With the fucking jagged teeth. It's like your hillbilly cousin that just <laughs> hangs in his shack all day. Yeah. That's basically, you just need to go the to many a cousin. faces of sharks. Yeah, you just need to go to a cousin, you know, just hang out there until the coast is clear and then, you know. It's a wise idea. Yeah, just you know, hang with a cousin. Safety in numbers. <laughs> Don't, yeah, <laughs> safe, safety below too. <laughs> go as deep as you can. Uh, this other story, this one was actually kind of cool and a bit and a bit progressive, Ooh. and this is more of a. So I'm I want your opinion on this one simply because I I wouldn't call it controversial. I like the idea, but then I could see how people who are, um, let's say, um, somebody who's more traditional 
or maybe even religious would disagree with doing this, but I kind of like it. So it says Washington will likely become the first state to allow human composting. What does that mean? That means disposal of remains. The only two ways that we really have in the United States of disposing remains are burying and burning. Yeah. Both which have existed for how many years? Forever. Literally forever. Way back to when we, like, we can't even comprehend the existence back how far those two things have occurred. Well, now they're finally, they, so there's this new composting method where it basically turns your body into soil, usable soil. So that's the crazy thing. It's that's not cool. just soil, but usable cool. soil. So Plant they said, tree on they said one average human body would fill up like two wheelbarrows worth of <laughs> human soil. You get a barrel. <laughs> so, so, so what's kind of cool though is like, could you imagine having like dad in a wheelbarrow and I just like start soiling my you know front yard with his remains and planting flowers like a tree on top of them or something i think it's kind of cool and so so the state of washington is is actually getting ready to pass this so it's not even it's not even like is it is it going to pass will it pass will it not it's it's going to pass yeah it's on the docket the governor just needs to sign off of it and it's going it's going but so one of the things that they that they put in here was that the composting of the remains the compost itself can actually be used in public areas. So for things like planting, yeah. for things like, let's call it, um, I guess really only planting. You can put it in an urn like you would burning a body. I don't know. But it's more environmentally friendly. You know, I would li- I'd rather plant a tree with it. You know what I'm worried about, though? Hmm. Public haunting. No, you have that with graveyards, though, right? Yeah, but that's contained. Here you're talking the, about the, haunting like, the entire public population. Like the soil's just out there. <laughs> like <laughs> there's ghosts popping up everywhere. I, it is. It is kind of weird though. So you know, like one of the things that I was thinking about was, yeah. let's just say, someone use and and think about it. Two, two giant things, wheelbarrows of soil. Yeah, you could use to. You could really use that soil to grow a small garden. Yeah. Really wanted to. Yeah. Right? A very small one, like a couple plants. Do you imagine eating like tomatoes out of it? Mother tomato. You're just like eating, dad tomato. Eating part of your dad's soil. You like would be. Soul. You would be. Isn't that crazy? But isn't it kind of cool at the same time though? I would do it. It's almost like a natural cycle to life, which I, I think it's cool. It's progressive and a lot of people are going to disagree with it, but I think it's a great idea. How is it not better than burning and how is it not better than, than bearing? Yeah, because burying's taking up a lot of space. It takes up a lot of space. The decomposition of burial takes a much longer time. To decompose these bodies through this method is two weeks, and then they're complete. And then it's a hundred percent soil. So they add something to my body to rapidly. Yeah, it's it's a rapid decomposition process. Huh. I'd be game for it. I would do it honestly. I wish they would pass something like that in Ohio because I'm currently on the docket to get burnt. <laughs> So I would much rather do the decomposition process and then, dude, could you imagine like, I would love my soil to be a part of my front yard. That'd be amazing. Not to mention we got a lot of agricultural needs in this country, Corey. We do specifically even in Ohio. I feel like this needs to be a democratic. What if they use the decomposition to grow the new marijuana plants in Ohio? Oh dude. (sighs) It's like fucking peyote. Oh my God. It's like the new peyote where Indians would smoke hallucinogenics like tobacco or whatever. And then like they fucking just start seeing ghosts. 
That'd be crazy. Like relatives and stuff. But really, it's just us. It's just us. <laughs> it's like, hey. hey. Who are you? <laughs> I'm what you smoked. <laughs> Where we pop up like the holograms of the, the dead Star Wars characters after every movie. <laughs> just yeah. us. Just us walking around. <laughs> it's like, what are you looking at? Nothing. <laughs> and I'm just waving as it goes. <laughs> Wouldn't that be nuts, though? That'd be great. I like the idea. I do I'm too. all for it. I think it's great. I mean, when your other two alternatives are burning yeah. and burial, I mean, tell me how this isn't better. Definitely not. It a, contributes to the cycle of life. Definitely not a Republican agenda, but definitely sounds like a good Democratic push. I mean, it is. It's the state of Washington that's, yeah. that's pushing. They will be the first state. I do see that if, I mean, when this passes, I see other states following. Because you just think about like the cycle of life. About yeah. the whole thing as far as like you can use the remains of somebody dead to create life somewhere else. It's a little That's bit, amazing. It's a little bit selfish just to put me in a box in one spot. Yeah, it's weird too because like I I want to be cremated. I don't want to be buried, right? Yeah. And my whole thing was, which I'm gonna be writing into. Can we my turn will, you into an urn? So here's what I want to do. And this is not a joke, and people are probably gonna laugh and be like, ha, oh, that's funny. It's not a fucking joke, so settle down. <laughs> What I want to do is, is yeah. I want an urn to go in, right? I want all my remains to be in an urn, and I want someone to put those, you know, those little sticky googly eyes you can get? Oh, yeah. Like, they're just stickers. I want someone to put two of those on the urn, and I just want to be carried around and driven around everywhere. Like, whether it be with my wife or relatives, whoever it may be, I may, I may parcel out part yeah. of my body and we'll do like maybe five or six small urns yeah. with little eyes on them yeah i want to fucking see the world even after death and i'm dead serious i do not want to be put in the ground i want to be in something where you can transport me where i can see things i can experience things i can be part of the universe i think this decomposition thing is probably the best the human composting yeah i'd much rather do that because then i'm like forever in the earth i'm in the soil i'm in the ground i'm providing nutrients to new life like that is can't, amazing can't do that in a coffin can't do that in a coffin i think burial is if you think about how ridiculous burial is especially think of like some of the countries in the caribbean that always get uh, hurricanes and then it flushes and <laughs> because, because they're at sea level yeah it flushes away all the fucking goddamn graves so yeah. you have these bodies just floating, floating around, around in the yep. fucking ocean it's like yep. it's so archaic i don't understand how that is still the per the preferred method after death it, it i was, don't understand it. it's a method that the living came up with think yeah, about it yeah yeah it's true it has nothing to do with how you want to die right because you're dead yeah, it's it, it it's to me it's almost like the idea of like how is toilet paper still a thing? We haven't evolved oh, beyond toilet paper. Dude, the wipes are so amazing. I use wipes. I want to get one of those washlets, but it's like we need to evolve as a human species. Toilet paper can't be the only way we wipe our assholes. <laughs> it can't. It can no longer be the only way. There has to be an evolution of hygiene. <laughs> Smashing shit in your pooper <laughs> cannot be the preferred method any longer. I want a bidet. I have enough room in my bathroom for a bidet. And I'm, I was thinking about building one. <laughs> the days of like smearing peanut butter all over your ass are done. It just doesn't make sense, right? So same thing with burials. Like this has existed for so long. And I think we've just accepted the fact that it's, well, it's always been this way. But why? Why? There's other methods. <laughs> we can figure something out. This is the method. And I think it's the most appropriate. In my opinion, I think a lot of people would be on board for this. I think a ton of people would be on board for this. I would be into it. It'd be really cool to 
even if I was cremated, just to take my ashes, put them in some plastic, and make a doll of me. That'd be crazy. Like an Annabelle story. That would be creepy. <laughs> I'd rather you not do that. There was a there was a story a long time ago about a guy who um, I think it was his wife, and then it happened with other women too that he would continually cover their corpses in wax to keep yep. them fresh. But the, like the stench, like someone finally like walked he was an old his guy. house. Yeah, and he was like fucking them. Yeah, he he had her on the bed because he actually exhumed her from her crypt because she was originally buried in a crypt and he would see her there, but he actually snuck her out and moved him, moved her into his house. Yeah, wasn't isn't that what he did? Was yeah. continually cover your body in wax? To, yeah, to keep, he like doldified her. Yeah, Ugh. and then he sprayed her with so much fucking perfume just to try to mask the smell. Oh, that's that just l- hey, it, that's putrid. hey, bro, that's love. That's love. Yeah, it is. Uh, this next one is kind of, this one's gross and disturbing, but also my favorite part about this is the reaction of the people in this town. <laughs> okay. All right. So Canadian grave robber caught boiling human skeleton and drinking the broth. What? Now, when I say Canadian, I don't mean Toronto Canadian. I don't mean Montreal Canadian. I don't mean you Calgary mean like Canadian. Bush, Bushman Canadian. I mean, this dude lives up in like Labrador in Newfoundland. Okay. Like way up north. Where surviving is important. Where survival is important and everything's named after dogs. That <laughs> part of Canada. <laughs> <laughs> so, so he's 20 years old. His name's Lucas Dahl. He was charged with possessing a stolen skeleton and interfering with human remains. What he did was is he dug up a body and used the bones to make bone broth so he could drink it. Tell me that's not disturbing. Now, that's disturbing. Yeah. You're like, gross. Why would you do that? But grave robbing is not a new thing. No. People doing weird shit with dead bodies, as we just mentioned, is not a new idea, right? But if you think about being in a small town in Newfoundland or in the Labrador area. Undug. Yeah. So so like these 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 places, not a lot of terrible things happen. Oh yeah. So they're so appalled when something does happen. And some of the statements from people who lived in the town, I swear to God, are hilarious. Because I think about like we live in Dayton, right? Yeah. There's crazy shit that happens in Dayton. Yeah. All the time. Yeah, always. Um, so there was one of the neighbors, this is literally what she said, and I'm almost offended by this. Do it in a Canadian accent. She goes, you'll read about these kinds of things down in the States, but to happen so close to home, it's pretty crazy. She literally said down in the States. Down in the States. Like, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you, bitch. How dare you judge (laughs) us like that? Down in the States. Fuck you. I know this is commonplace in the United States, but up here, that's just sacrilegious. We don't do these things. And then uh, she she goes, the thought of it's quite disturbing. Uh, with all the robberies in town and, and Conception Bay South, for this to happen on top of all that, ooh, ooh. Newfoundland and Labrador is worrisome. Oh, my God. Yeah. She, you know what? Here's the thing. Crazy shit happens all the time. And again, I'm not saying this is not disturbing. Yeah. But then you fucking come at the States? Seriously? You're going to sit there up in your fucking ivory tower and your dog-named city... <laughs> and you're gonna point a finger at the United States and go, "This shit happens in the states all the time." But for it to happen here, I'm gonna fucking go up there. My next vacation's gonna go up there, yeah. And I'm gonna make a mockery of that place. I'm gonna go around eating human remains out of a fucking cereal bowl. That's <laughs> walking the streets. Oh my god! I'm gonna make it the least desirable place ever to live. So, did you get a picture of what this guy looked like? 
there, there's a picture. He's just a 20 year old kid. There, someone took a picture of him being like carted off through jail, but his face is covered, so you can't really see him at all. Now, here's what's interesting. So, I don't know if anybody's watched very obscure shows on Barclay TV, on YouTube, or any of these weird docu series where it's basically like weird things that people do. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, like the lady that eats rocks. Yeah, like there's a guy who used to eat bullets. Yeah, and so and and, and the lady that um. Oh, uh, what was it? She uh, drinks bleach. She also bathes in bleach. Have you seen that? Ew. How does yeah. that not kill you? I don't know. She like puts it in her coffee and shit. It's fucking crazy. Ah. Uh, She's going to die. You're going to die. And then I was telling this, I was telling this, I was telling Kristen this. I also on Barclay TV saw, um, <laughs> have you heard of feederism? No. It's a fetish. Um, it's basically you get off on feeding someone until they die. Oh, cool. Like you like feeding them until they become obese and get so fat that they eventually die. So how many people does this affect worldwide? Uh, well, Three. So, well, so far a 600-pound white woman and a, and a skinny older black guy. Really? Yeah. So the black guy's feeding the white he woman. He feeds her, and he, he gets off on it. And here's what's fucking crazier, bro. Like, you eat. She's like, I'm full. He's, you eat, bitch. He's turned on by when she can't even help herself. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, like when she, she can't, can't get out of things? bed? Yeah. Oh, if she and can't wipe? she relishes in the idea that she won't be able to move eventually, and that he'll take care of her. Think about that for a second. <laughs> So, I do truthfully believe in natural selection. Yeah. I believe in a sense that there's some people who are not meant to be on this planet and that we've put, we've put measures into place to protect those people. Yeah. People like that got to go. That's really rough. You got to go. We need a Thanos snap of the finger Listen, and they all got to go. Do you know what their 10-year plan is, bro? Eat everything? Nope. Be 800 pounds? Keep going. Death? thousand pounds they want her to get to a thousand pounds yes she'll die before she gets there yeah she will yeah no one's ever going to get to a thousand pounds she wants to be a thousand pounds her heart will stop that's that it's those kinds of things are insanity the fact that no one has intervened in their life to control the situation is beyond i literally want to quote something that comes to memory that this guy said he goes i just get so turned on by the thought that when I'm feeding her, wondering where that food is going to add more fat to her body. He gets off on the idea that when he <laughs> feeds her, that that is going to go somewhere and create additional fat so, that he's going to be attracted so to. So I guess my question is, is what is he feeding her? Anything. Just, liter- just anything. Like if there's a pool noodle sitting in the corner, he's gonna feed her some styrofoam, like there was a, or is there, it like food? There was literally uh, footage of him at a restaurant with her, and they're having like six meals. How did she get in the restaurant? I don't know. I mean, she's like f- five hundred plus right now. I also saw a girl that. Uh, <laughs> all I'm getting to is there's some weird fucking people out there. Yeah, you know they're out there. But then there was this other lady who, for whatever reason, out of nowhere. Uh, she has like 200, 216 orgasms a day. 
Really? Yeah. Good for her. She yeah. just walks and creates friction and she just like it comes pop. on out of nowhere. That's nuts. And she she and, and like no there's there's also video footage of her literally like curling her lip and I'm just like, "Oh god." Like she's, she's sitting not, in class. She's like sit, <laughs> she's sitting at work roll, and she's like, eyes oh. back like "Oh." <laughs> she, she, yeah, there's footage of this shit. But but is she doing it on purpose or no, can she not help she it? She can't help okay, it. Okay, so that's different. But here's the thing. She's got a husband. Guess mm-hmm. who she doesn't need? Yeah. Him. Of course. Because the int- she's not going to ever want to have an orgasm. Right. Because she has so many. Because she has so many. Off. Like, it's now like she, yeah. she don't want to have sex. It's created an issue in her life. Yeah. Mm. That's a weird one, huh? That's a weird one. Everybody's been trying so hard to figure out how to get a woman to orgasm. <laughs> and <laughs> now she doesn't even want it. Yeah. Yeah. Man, all, all the I'm tables have is, turned. Is the bone marrow eating 20-year-old. Isn't so crazy. It's not that crazy. And it's not that crazy in terms of other stuff that we heard. But this is kind of funny because there's another guy who said, that it's shocking that the guy puts it in this term. He goes, this type of thing you can never imagine happening. You hear this kind of, you hear this sort of thing happening in fairy tales and stuff. Listen, your problem. What? Listen, your problem is. There's, I probably have six neighbors who have eaten somebody's human remains. Yeah. The problem is, is these guys are living in a bubble. These people are living in a bubble. Do they have national television? Mm, probably slim. Do they live yeah. in a remote part of the world? Yes. Yes. 100%. You don't know what type of shit happens in this fucking world, you I've Canadians. I've seen some crazy shit. Yeah. Like, I don't have to hear about it. I've seen some crazy shit. Oh, I yeah. live in an area where crazy shit happens all the time. I never thought in my whole world that anything like this would ever happen. Eh? <laughs> it's like, are you naive? Yeah. It's, I think it's a... A removal from There's society. There's 7 billion people on this planet. Some crazier shit's happened. And you're happened. just 2,000 of them. Right. And I love how the story doesn't actually get into why he does it. <laughs> the story gets more into like, how do these people think this is the craziest thing that's ever occurred in the world? Yeah. That's what actually I appreciate about the story more than anything. It's just like, oh yeah, he ate some human remains. Oh, but the people's commentary is kind of funny because they're so outrageously shocked by the incident. Yeah. They're like, how could this ever exist in this wonderful community? It's like, dude, fucking crazy shit happens all the time. That was my mammal. Now, if he would have <laughs> killed the person and then uh, yeah. sucked out the bone marrow, yeah, that'd be that's a little that's a little rough. Getting crazy. Yeah, he dug up someone who was already dead. Yeah, and you know I, what I mean. He's, I, he's just using what's that God is. I mean, God has yeah. absorbed the soul of this person. And at what, what else are you going to do with the remains? And at what past expiration date? Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, what? Yeah. At what point? What is body it, did he dig up? They said some of the bodies in the cemetery which he dug up were there since the 1700s. Oh, that's wild. <laughs> so that's I wild. think he got an old crisper. So there's nothing. Yeah, <laughs> crisper. <laughs> Just dry rotted. Yeah. I think he got one of the old ones. And it was probably something where it was like he heard some stupid thing about bone marrow nutrition because bone marrow it's has high, collagen. It, dude, it's super. I mean, that's why people do for you. bone marrow transplants, right? Super it's healthy. insanely healthy for you. He probably heard something on TV and was like, well, where am I going to get some bone marrow? Where are bones at? Oh, bones are buried in the cemetery. I'm going to go to the cemetery and get some bones. It's actually, when you think about it, it's pretty logical thinking. Yeah. It's really not that crazy of an idea yeah it's hard to blame him really if he's just trying to get his health together yeah i think it's less sadistic and more medicinal one man's dead body is another man's food there you go 
It's a circle of life. Circle of life. All the way back to the whole composition thing. Right. Right? This story seems less crazy now that we're talking about it, really. Yeah. I, I, actually, I feel pretty good about it. If I had an open cemetery and I knew I wasn't going to go to jail for it, I may dig up a few bodies. Buffet line it. Well, I'll tell you this. I love bone broth. Yeah. Especially in like a, a good pot roast. Like a good stew. A good stew. <laughs> If I got if I got this 17, 1700s conquistador body and I can chop it up and make a good broth oh my out God, of it. This is so good. What seasonings did you put in it? Your Mimo. <laughs> oh man. That's crazy. Hey. Anyway. Uh, hey. It don't sound that bad. It doesn't really sound that bad. <laughs> oh, it doesn't. <laughs> the more I'm processing it, the more I'm like I can see how this occurred, and I don't necessarily disagree with any of it. I wonder if the guy's just like, why did you do it? I was just so fucking sick of eating ramen noodles. Yeah, he's like, I just wanted something nutritious. <laughs> just wanted something. We have no healthy options in Newfoundland. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Anyway, so guess what? Today, we do have a review. We do. So we're not going to just talk about crazy people and crazy shit. So uh, we're going to take a quick break. And we will be back at you in just a few minutes with a wonderful breakdown. And we're back. That bone broth was good, bro. I wish I had a really good radio voice to come back into something. You know, someone told me a few weeks ago, they're like, you have a really good voice for podcasting. I was like, you're fucking crazy. I have a horrible voice I for podcasting. I have a horrible one, too. It's terrible. Neither one of us have great voices for podcasts. No. We don't have that good bass. We don't have that really smooth, you know what I mean? There's yeah. like a smooth radio voice that you need to have. I don't have that. I can imitate it sometimes. Like, hey, everybody, how you doing today? This is Corey. With- and then you get like real low. Real low. I can't do it. Uh, like, yeah, I don't, I there's do just it. not a good natural voice for it. Nah, I don't have it. You know, I, I always love the way voices sounded back in like the 50s and 60s on radio. Oh, yeah, the, like nasally. And it's the, just, I think it was so cool. The way, it was like almost like every guy who was on the radio sounded the same. Like the baseball. I loved it. I thought it, it sounds so good. It's like, how do we get yeah. back to that? How, we, let's revert the technology back to what it was back in like the 50s and 60s so I can replicate that kind of sound. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It was like the technology was so shitty that it sounded shitty, but then it's also nostalgic at the same time and it's really, it's actually a really cool sound. It is. And we don't have that anymore. Now we sound as natural as you could possibly sound. Foul ball. Which is the foul ball for the right <laughs> field. <laughs> oh, you really hit a roper up there. And you know, in the next 10 or 20 years, everybody's going to want the Madden voice. <laughs> John Madden had a terrible voice, in my opinion. He did. You know what it was? What a fat piece of he shit. He just by had the way. really big jowls, and it made his words slur. He was actually a really great commentator. He was, but but I don't think he was always paying attention. No, he's definitely not always paying attention. Because <laughs> some of the shit he said, <laughs> yeah, a little off the wall. But hey, guess what? We have a review today. Yeah. And what are we reviewing? The John Madden. The John Madden. John Madden has his own cigar out. <laughs> Surprise, everybody. It's a it's an eight by eighty. <laughs> the fattest cigar you've ever seen. Oh shit. Uh we're actually reviewing the La Historia by E. P. Carrillo. Yeah, Chris keeps doing the Ricola for 
EP. Every time I hear EP, I just want to scream it from the mountaintops. Now, this cigar has been reviewed so many times. It's like it's why? been played out it's over like, and why? over like, and why over. Why should we even review it? Why should we review it? Why are we even having this conversation? Right? We could literally just stop right now and not do anything. I'll tell you why. It's because there's nothing on the list. <laughs> <laughs> there has, actually, I, I told Chris yesterday, so we've, we've got a whole bunch of written reviews that I've done <laughs> yeah. over the course of months. Ton, I mean, I, I don't even know what I'm up to now. It's, it's, I think it's like it's 30. Actually, yeah, it's way more than that. Is it? Oh, my God. I bet I'm at 60. It's, in, it's intense that I've had to write. Mm. So I just finished the last one yesterday, yesterday yeah. morning on my day off. And I was really happy about it. But then I realized that we had nothing. <laughs> we hadn't really had yeah. nothing on the upcoming list to, because I've been concentrating so much on those. I haven't really concentrated yeah. much on the podcast one. So um, that's part of the reason. But the other reason is, and I'm going to throw it out here. I am very biased towards this cigar. This cigar is a Hall of Fame cigar for me. You hear it is that, in my folks? top five. You hear that, folks? That means it's in re- my Mount Rushmore. His review of this isn't going to matter. No, probably not. You it's should dis- too biased. Dismiss every single thing. <laughs> Do not listen to and his dismiss review at all. Every single thing you hear <laughs> from me in particular, we could just completely negate any th- any of my numbers, any of my scores, any of my comments. It's not going to be ne- negate all of them. Yeah, it's not. It's very biased towards <laughs> in, a, in a favorable po- favorable pretty, position for. I'm this pretty cigar. sure EP paid Corey. They could have. They could have. But I'm being serious in saying that this is one of my all-time favorite cigars. Yeah. It really is. I buy this cigar more than I buy any other cigar, yeah. hands down. It might be very law historical. It could be pretty law historical. Yeah. But yeah, so I mentioned that the cigar has been rated and reviewed however many times, made Cigar Aficionado's as soon top as it, Yeah, as soon as it, it was It top. was number one or number two in 2014. And then from there, everybody wanted to review the cigar. But there are things about this cigar that I want to talk about after we kind of get into the components and the, contr- oh, the yeah. structure and all sure. that, um, that I think are relatable to some of the other stuff that's on the market now. So before we get into the breakdown, Chris, how do we score these things? Man, I feel like Ray Charles right now. Glasses and you look like Ray Charles. head bobbing. Except that you're obnoxiously white and you're not blind. That's fair. Yeah. That's fair. Each cigar review is based on our six-point rating scale and broken down into three main categories. Construction, burn, and taste. We then see if the cigar is worth the price for possible bonus or penalty points, Corey. <laughs> and then we finally average out our individual scores, giving you guys a total cigar rating at a six. Right on. So what's this thing comprised of? Oh, my God. Move! Uh, you weren't ready for that, were you? Oh, Rapper. Mexican San Andreas. Yeah. Mex- using Mexican San Andreas back in 2014. Yeah. Before the prime of Mexican San Andreas. I think before it got super popular. Yeah. I mean, it's been used for a while, but I think. Binder. Ecuadorian Sumatran? <laughs> Question mark? Question mark? Correct. Continue. Fillers? Dominican and Nicaraguan? What? What? And it's a box press Robusto, I believe, right? Correct. Coming at a price point of nine seventy five, which we will talk about in further detail. Yeah. But also, me, this isn't the most popular Vitola of this cigar, by the way. So no. the one that's usually reviewed, I think, is the five and three eighths by. Or no, sorry, is it the six six and one eighth or six and a quarter by 
50 or 52. There's a lot of Vitolas with this cigar. Oh, uh, we're not clicking? Anywho. Um, you know what's interesting? It's one, of those, it's one of those cigars again. You know what cigars they are? It's one of those United Nations cigars. Got yeah. places from all around the world. It is. Yeah, so it's, it's filled with components that are yeah. all across the land. Uh, and, and we talked about this before. Michael Jackson has written a song about this cigar. <laughs> his, his song is a good representation of some of these cigars. Dude, there was something that I was... There was a cigar that I was looking at yesterday, and I cannot remember what it was. But it had components in it literally from all over the world. Actually, is it one that I have in the, the humidor? The number nine? Well, that's kind of... No. That's not really all. No, 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 it's not. If I think of it, then I'll, like, I'll like share region, it. Like different regions entirely. Yeah, like all over the fucking oh, okay. world. I think it was, I think the crazy thing is, is it was like made somewhere, but it used none of the components from that region. Oh, shit. Used them from all over. The, I think it was like a Costa Rican company. I forget who it was, though. It doesn't Col- matter. It's not Columbus? It doesn't matter. No. No, it's not. Columbus does some crazy shit. Anyways. It's definitely not them. So, <sighs> let's break this bad boy down. Chris, what did you think about and now Let's also make sure that we're cognizant of the fact that this is a box press. It's a box press. So, how is the construction overall for you? I mean, honestly, for an EP box press, it actually was pretty, pretty rigid structure, which I appreciate. Yeah. Listen, I've had my fair share of Jura Statement Javas lately, and they're the Gross. spongiest things ever. Yeah, I could barely smoke in me anymore, bro. Like, I know, like, they were my, like, I don't know why you do that anyway. I don't know. It's just, it's too much. It's just too much. Yeah. I don't know. Anyways, this is an amazing constructed cigar for box press, in my opinion. They also did, they did, they do something kind of weird at EP, which is like, so you have the traditional box press, which really defines like sharp a, edges. This like has an oval. It's like oval, it. right? Yeah, yeah. Like I think they're actually notorious for doing more of an oval shaped box press than they are a traditional tight edge box press. Yeah. Which is almost like less, it's less compromising in my opinion on the cigar and creating those really tight box press. Yeah. Cause it can, it can compromise the construction. Sometimes we've seen that before. Yeah. It's like, this one is like a nice happy medium. You know, like cigar manufacturers and brands always have these like little subliminal messages that we've talked about that like no one would ever get. Yeah. Maybe it's not a box because it is an O and it's an O because Carrillo mm. ends in an O. I don't think so. I think it's a bit of a stretch. But anyway, in terms of construction. (laughs) Oh, sorry. I'll let you go. I was going to say, because it sounded like you completely ended your part of the conversation. (laughs) So I'm just going to pick up where you left off. That's cool. Um, The construction overall for me, I I think in terms of especially being a box press and this cigar was pretty good. The only thing I had an issue with is it did have some slight cap damage. So that's something that I can't tell if it was in terms of the box press. I, I don't think it is at all. It just seemed to be like just the way that it tightened up towards the top just caused it caused a little bit of it to peel up just like and it was actually one of the caps. I think this is a double cap if I remember correctly. I'm appreciative double. I think the it was the bottom cap that was peeling up which caused the top cap to raise up a little bit. So you mushroom capped minimal flaws. Otherwise, a pretty good construction on the cigar. There was some points where it seemed like the wrapper was stretched a little weird. Like if I looked at the cigar. But it wasn't anything that created detriment towards the smoking of the cigar. Like it was more of an aesthetic thing where it's like that kind of looks like it was rushed. It looks like from a production perspective yeah. that it was 
didn't have it, no one was really paying attention to how they were actually constructing the cigars just i mean we've seen lines right we've seen people roll cigars it's like yeah. a very it's not like everybody's just sitting there like making sure every little thing's perfect all the time you've got to produce a certain amount of cigars in, 30 in a certain seconds. time frame right like it's like 30 to it's a, a very quick process yeah. so as long as it doesn't it doesn't negatively impact the cigar which i didn't anticipate it would and it didn't um it's just kind of one of those aesthetic things that look kind of crazy but i do want to talk speaking of aesthetics is it not one of the coolest bands you've seen on a cigar? It's very pretty. I feel like I've said this a lot lately, which, by the way, I like the blue ribbon at the bottom. Mm-hmm. I don't like how it's just fucking willy-nilly scotch-taped on there. I think that is a horrible appearance. I think if you're going to tape that ribbon at the bottom, you put the tape underneath it and not over top of it. So you create the connection of the ribbon on the bottom half, the like underneath the ribbon and not over top of it because mm-hmm. it looks to me it looks rushed and i think from if i'm thinking about appearances it just like even looking at mine yesterday i'm like i don't like the way that that looks it looks filthy it looks not clean and i'd rather see it be cleaner the only thing you have to do is just put the tape and it's literally scotch tape i know yeah. put it underneath and then connect the ribbon that's all you yeah. have to do it's not complicated just a simple process change. But what a pretty freaking oiliness, though, mm-hmm. for that cigar. It's beautiful. And actually, the one that I had, so the ones that we smoked are fairly new. So these are, I have ones in my humidor that have aged. They've probably aged out, if I'm being honest. They've been in there for fucking ever. I need to smoke them. These ones are fairly new, yeah. right? So to be able to see the oiliness of the wrapper and to see, I mean, it, was, it has a nice sheen to it. Like, it does. It it's does. Very, it's very glossy looking, which is cool. Uh, so some of those oils are definitely coming through the wrapper. I think other than just a couple of the things that I had that I'm just nitpicking about is beautifully constructed. It's a great looking cigar. It's very pretty. I mean, it's very, I mean, very pretty. Right. So what did you think about the burn? All right. You asked for it. Can't give it to me, Chris. What's the burn like? Well, Sometimes box presses cause a little bit of issues on the burn. Not so much the whole test or how good it draws, but just consistency. I had a few issues in the beginning, a couple weird runs, and that's fine. That's totally fine. That is actually very indicative of box press. Cigars. It is, isn't it? it all, I always have challenges with box press. It's craziness. It looks like a weird, you know, like it's it wavy. Yes, yeah, it's like a real wavy. Yeah, it's yeah. super wavy. But outside of that, I had absolutely zero issues with burn. What a nice amount of smoke that thing produced. Mmm, beautiful. One of the things that I'll say about this cigar. I was creating clouds, bro. Outside of just this one sample smoke, since I've had this cigar so many times, I will say this. There is, from, if we're talking about the draw, there has always been a consistency with the draw on these cigars, no matter which one I've had. I swear to God, every single one that I've smoked has the most perfect draw you can have with the most perfect amount of smoke produced when yeah. you're smoking it. I don't think I've ever had one of these La Historias, no matter what the Vitola is, that did not smoke like a dream. And I think that's... Indi- which is yeah. really fucking crazy. And that's indicative to the oval shape standing for the end of Carrillo. Like it's just much better than the actual boxy boxy box press. I there's something I the oval is way better. Magical about the way that these cigars draw. They pay a lot of attention yeah. to that. That was one thing I gave a really high score I on. Did is too. That it's such a good draw and it's so, it's so full of smoke. 
and again, we're only reviewing these particular samples smoked, but at all the other ones that I've ever smoked, I get the same exact experience. The amount of consistency that they have in the line as a whole yeah. is actually pretty fucking crazy. Yeah. Because even the things that I read that other, other people's experience with this cigar is the same exact thing. Or say everybody's talking about the same stuff. It's yeah. Like, this is how great the draw is. And, you know, from uh, the amount of smoke that it's produced, it seems like everybody who reviews this cigar is saying the same things. And I don't think they're saying them because the other people are saying them. I'm saying this because there's actually yeah. consistency there, that they've maintained that over a long but period of time. But here's where it fucking shined. I had to do the whole test, right? Yeah. Hey, Google, set a timer for five minutes. Okay, Curious, timer starts now. Fucking god damn it. You idiot. <laughs> what did you think it was going to do? I didn't think it was going to start the time. <laughs> Anyways, so do the whole test. I have to go inside for a minute because I was checking on Kayla or whatever. I come out. It's beeping. Beep, 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 beep. Going off like fucking crazy. I'm three minutes past my whole test, bro. I'm like, there's no way this thing's fucking lit. I'm going to have a failed hold test, and I'm going to have to assume it was still lit at five minutes. Yeah. Put it in my mouth. Still fucking drawing. Like a dream. Still fucking drawing. Yeah, I knew mine was going to do the same thing, because, and I was sitting with it the entire time, but it still had that nice steady stream of smoke coming off the foot of the cigar. Yeah. At like 4.30. Yeah. So it's like I knew I knew there wasn't going to be any issues. I've never had issues with it anyway. I don't think I've ever actually had one of these cigars go out on me completely. I don't think I've ever, not one time, I cannot recall. And this is what's crazy about this cigar. And this is why I'm saying like paying attention to the consistency, the consistency around production. Yeah. As this cigar doesn't change. There, I think there's just a standard that has been set that they operate on and constructing at least this cigar. I can't really speak for all the EP. I mean, I've had a lot of EP Korea cigars, but not as many times where I can notice certain things like I notice in this cigar. Like it was so good that I would like a factory tour. And when I get on oh, that. Oh God, I would love to go and, to UP. And when I get on that factory tour, I want you to tell me which people are responsible for rolling this cigar. Because I'm going to go up to every single one of them and kiss them right on their fucking lips. I would. I would. I'd give them hand jobs if they were dudes, probably, <laughs> if we're being honest. <laughs> Um, <laughs> so yeah, I, I think in, in terms of the burn itself, man, that is a fucking a pretty, great pretty, burn, man. Pretty good score. Yeah. Even with was, the consistency issues with just being box pressed. Right. But it, it was fine after like the little bit in the beginning. Right. It was fine. Right. Yeah. I had no challenges with mine whatsoever. Yeah. No, actually I had no running, no wonky burning, anything like that. Smoked it down to the goddamn yeah. nub. Yeah. Um, this is a true finger burner for me always. But so what did you think about the flavor? Flavor. Okay. What did I get? I got a little bit of savoriness, bro. Some little bit of woodiness here and there. Some bitterness and some nice medium spice. Now, this cigar did start off a little bit punchy. Mm -hmm. Just a little bit. Not nothing I couldn't handle, of course. I'm a spice aficionado. But it was literally like after 10 puffs, it was already calming down. Yeah. Like, all right, and I was like, okay, here's, the, here's where those flavors really start to shine. And it did. It, now, I wouldn't say it was too drastic of a change up of flavors, but I did catch myself occasionally getting in and out of the woody bitterness and savoriness. Like, it just, when you have that many components from different regions, there's just moments where you just get, like, the inflection. They, like, stand out. Almost like a quartet, like a boy band. 
it's like a boy band to where eventually <laughs> one of them steps up front center stage and does their little solo. That's how this cigar was. It's just like occasionally one of them singers step forward and go, <laughs> and just fucking sing, you know, sing their heart out. And you're like, oh, wow, he's got a good voice. Yeah, that's a, that's a decent analogy. You like that? I kind of agree with it. But it's pretty consistent, generally speaking. Also but, agreed. Yeah. This is a cigar that I actually, weirdly enough, don't like the beginning of the cigar. It was a little rough on it. I think the beginning to me is actually pretty bland. It's, it, I think it is a little spice forward, but to me, it's like, it just seems to be dull. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if, if you anticipated the rest of the cigar was going to taste like what the, the, the first, let's call it five minutes were going to taste like, you yeah. wouldn't like the cigar. So that's how it is for me every time I smoke it. But because I know what it. I get towards, yeah. the, towards, I mean, as soon as that's gone, the floodgates open. Yeah. That's the craziest part about the cigar is that when it changes, it changes in such, to me, changes in such a drastic way and then stays very smooth and consistent through the remainder of the cigar. It's just, you got to open the door. Yeah. You got to turn the knob, you got to open it up and then a whole new world's presented yep. to you. That's what I actually like about this cigar. I don't like, I don't like the way it starts, but it's almost like the way it starts is a necessity for all the good that you get afterwards. It's, it's, it's very strange for me, but I, I know it and I understand it every time I smoke it. I know exactly. Or it's like, okay, well, I'm going to get through this first couple minutes and then this thing's going to start opening up and then it's going to be wonderful, full flavored, delicious, very savory. It is an extremely savory cigar. And I do agree with you as far as I always get the smooth sweet with a little bit of the bitterness. Yeah. The, one of the things that I also really like about this cigar, and this is kind of strange cigars that I would say are quote unquote very aromatic are usually very aromatic from the beginning sure this cigar gets really aromatic around the middle part of the cigar it seems to me at like the 50 percent point that's where you really start drawing out some of the really good smells and the aroma of this cigar not so much at the beginning so it's kind of weird to me that i feel like you're firing all senses towards the middle of the cigar and you're not really firing all senses at the beginning of the cigar yeah. In terms of what you taste and what you smell, both of which complement one another, right? Oh, yeah. So I really like the cigar at the halfway point. And actually, this is a cigar that I intentionally retrohale halfway through because I get that good aroma. Once I start smelling the wonderful mm-hmm. flavors of the cigar, I will intentionally retrohale the cigar because this is, at certain points, one of the best cigars you can retrohale, in my opinion. It is so good. If you aren't retrohaling this cigar to really get, like, to bring out and to, I'd say allow those great flavors to flourish. You're doing yourself a disservice. It is. It's easy. It's. It's not. It's not overly impactful. It's pretty easy to retrohale. It is wonderful. It's so good that if I smoked it and buried it, I would later exhume it and boil it into a broth and eat it. I think that's. I think that'd be a fair statement. Do you to know? Say. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It is definitely. In terms of flavor, it's why I smoke this cigar. Yeah. Now, here's what I think about the La Historia as a whole. Because I've smoked so many of them, and because I really do appreciate the things that EP Creo creates, to me, this cigar, especially being produced and it came out in 2014, EP Creo is a large manufacturer. They manufacture for other people. They yeah. manufacture their own brand. Yeah. So I don't consider them boutique. But I do consider this, bo- this cigar boutique. I do think there's a sense of craftsmanship that goes in this cigar. And I'm saying not in terms of how many are produced, but I'm saying in terms of the quality and construction, the attention to flavors and things like yeah. that. It is boutique-esque in that regard. 
this cigar, in my opinion, especially coming out in 2014, has set a standard for how other people should be creating these types of cigars. That if you are looking for the artisan craftsmanship piece of it, that this cigar, I think, has set that standard. That's why I put, I put the cigar in my Hall of Fame, for sure. It is a first ballot, like, you're going straight to the Hall of Fame. That's how good this cigar is to me. It is in my Mount Rushmore, for sure. Aww. 100%. You hear I that like EP? it that much. You hear what he just said? Now, and here's the crazy thing. I've had better cigars. Nope. You didn't hear that, though. Admittedly, I've had cigars that I like better than this La Historia. Listen, EP, just ignore everything he just said there. But mm-hmm. this cigar is so consistent, and I know what I'm going to get every single time, and I know what I get is going to be amazing. Yeah. That's why I put it at the top. That's why, it's a, and that's why it stands at the top. Because some of those other cigars that I've had that I really like, I don't, I don't like consistently all the time. That so, it changes for me. There's so sometimes the, I like them more than I like them in others. So this La Historia climbed your Mount Everest of expectations. Yes. 100%. It, has, it just has a consistency to it that cannot be argued. If there's a day where I get one and I go, God, this sucks. Yeah. They failed me. <laughs> <laughs> I've finally been failed. Then okay, man, my, my opinion may change. But out of all that, I've, I've probably had this cigar. I think it's safe to say I've had this cigar at least 25 times. There's a lot. Woo! And I have like six or seven sitting in the humidor right now with another five on the way. So I smoke this cigar on the regular. And the fact that you can maintain the quality, you can maintain even from a flavor perspective, all those things. I can anticipate how every single one of them is going to smoke every single time. That's pretty incredible to me. Yeah. No matter the Vitola either. It's pretty pretty wild. So it's hard to argue that this is not one of the better cigars that's been created in the last five years. Yeah. It It just is. I mean... It's probably one of the only times, minus a few other cigars, where I've agreed with Cigar Aficionado and saying, yeah, this is at the top of the heap. 100%. Hands down. Because I, I like to argue. And I like to, I like to look <laughs> at them and go, you're fucking crazy. Yeah. It's not that good. But this cigar is that good. It's that good, and everybody knows it's that good. It's crazy to me how I don't see more people smoking the La Historia. I think some people just have moved on because it was a 2014 thing. And it got real big and got real popular. And then it's just like, well, now we're past that. And the new edition's released of the top 25. Yeah. So now we're going to get on that bandwagon. It's like, no, this cigar is still as good, if not better than it was then. Hmm. It's absolutely wonderful. You've given it five years later. Very high remarks. You've convinced me. Now, here's the thing. You've convinced me to buy more. My score is not indicative of anything I just said, by oh, the way. Because this is only on this sample smoked. Yeah. This has nothing to do with my overall experience. Yeah. I'm just telling the tale of the overall experience of this cigar, why I enjoy it as much yeah. as I do. So. That's understandable. But, all right. So it comes at a price point of about 950 ish if you get it at MSRP. Here's the thing. So this cigar, is a, it has, it's an anomaly, and here's why. You can find these cigars online, of which I have found much cheaper. To, to the point where I've bought the most popular Vitolas of this cigar in under five bucks a piece. Yeah. If you go and buy this cigar to Humidor, you're paying more than $9.50 for it. There's places that I go to where you're paying upwards of $12 for this cigar. 
So it's strange to me how there's such a disparity between online purchases and sales versus B&M. Yeah. I think that 950, 975 is like the middle point, right? If yeah. we're talking about an average, now we're creating an average between what you're going to get in a traditional human or and what you're probably going to get online. Yeah. Um, I, it's weird to me. I haven't seen us. I haven't seen another cigar on the market that has that much disparity in price. So it is kind of strange because this is a cigar I like to buy in five packs. And sometimes I haven't committed to a box yet, weirdly enough. And it's just because I like trying different Vitolas in this cigar. Yeah. Li- like they each have slight differences to them and I like each one of them. So I don't like to be stuck. You know how I am. Yeah. I don't really can yeah. ever commit uh, to yeah. 20 of anything. Yeah. So I buy these in five packs and when I can get them in five packs for less than five bucks each. Dude, for me, that is like the biggest win of all time. So we got we to gotta settle on a price point. I think we settle on the average price point. I think okay. we settle on the 950 okay. or whatever it is for okay. this Vitola. All right. So 950. Worth it? 950. Is it worth 950? Robusto box press. Gorgeous. Basically the United Nations of cigars. I battled with this one for quite a while. Because I had written down nine fifty as the price point, and I was like, eh, "Okay, I gave him a dollar. I gave him a dollar." <laughs> <laughs> uh, I I had such a good experience with it that nine fifty felt a little undervalued. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Just a little. The question I always had was, I would spend ten dollars on it for sure. Okay. So, but is 50 cents difference worth a 2% jump? Right. Is it worth, yeah, giving it a price bonus? Yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. So, um, after- so what you're saying is like at 950, okay, what's the value? Right. If it was, if I was worth, if it was worth me paying $12 for this, then it obviously gets a bonus. Right. But you're not sure that it's worth that much. Yeah. Gotcha. I see what you're saying. So, I battled it, but here's where I've landed it's a really enjoyable smoke. Yeah. And it's a great flavor. Yeah. To me, it is, it is worth more than 950 And because of that grading criteria alone, I'm going to give it a pricing bonus. Interesting. Because in all reality, even in that circumstance, if I wanted to bargain shop and find this in a five-pack, I'm getting an even fucking sweeter deal. Yeah, that's how I feel about this cigar. When I get them sub-$5... Dude, it is, it's like my birthday all over again. But if I was going to walk into a B&M and then stroke the egos of that B&M who want to sell it for a higher price because it got the biggest, highest, baddest review on Cigar Aficionado, I'd be like, it's not worth it. Right. So knowing that I'm a bargain shopper, I could probably find, find them for 5 $6 a stick. It's worth the pricing bonus because we're never really going to ever find it at nine fifty. Yeah, it's weird. I've never seen it. I've never really seen it for nine fifty. I see it usually like eleven dollars. Yeah, you're never gonna see it. Or I see it sub like right around five bucks for a five pack. But I know. But I know. I (laughs) it's really crazy. But I know I can get it for six dollars a stick in a five pack. Right. That makes sense. So I gave it a bonus. Okay. My score, bro. Mm -hmm. Actually, did you give it a bonus? That's a good question, Chris. And I'm glad you asked me because it sounds like you were gonna skip right over it. Uh, No, I did not. I didn't give it a pricing bonus based upon the idea that I think if everybody was coming in at that MSRP mark, I think if that was the traditional cost that was being sold at in a B&M, if I were to walk into a store, forget online sales, yeah, is it worth paying for this cigar? 
I think it's priced Fair. appropriately. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm like you. I would probably pay a little bit more for it, and I have. Yeah. I have paid more for this cigar. Yeah. When it makes sense for me to do so, yeah. and when I'm really like, I will go into B and M, see the cigar, and pass it up. Why? Because I've had it so many times. Yeah. I don't need to go into another. I don't need to go into another shop and explore something I've smoked before. I want to explore something different. I want to try something that I haven't tried yet. So I will, I will look at it and acknowledge it and go, oh, I love you so much. And then I'll walk past it and I'll find something else. Um, so for me, I think it's worth that price. I don't think it's worth what a lot of B&M sell it at, where it starts to approach that $11.50, $12 mark and sometimes higher. Because then I know what the b and is doing, right? And right. it's just like you're inflating the price on the cigar. You're the covering taxes, covering overhead. You understand that this this cigar has made cigar fishing. It's a yeah. it's a highly rated cigar, so you're you're going to use that to your advantage, and you're going to inflate your pricing. Um, I think it's priced appropriately. If I'm comparing it to other cigars that I really loved, I think where this cigar shines, and perhaps I could give it, I could yeah. consider giving it a bonus, is just it's maintained its EP's consistency. Price, yes. EP's recommended price for sure. Right. Um, so I didn't give it a pricing bonus. I think it's priced appropriately. Yeah. All right. I'm so giddy. Yeah. I don't know where this is gonna so, land. So what's your? Uh, give me your final Mine score. Mine came in at a five point with the pricing bonus. Mm-hmm. Keep that in mind, people. You can find this at a great deal. Yep. Five point six nine points, which is a ninety four point nine percent. That is amazing. It's a good score. So, mine came in at a five point five eight. A total score of 93.1. So those two scores averaged out give us a 5.635, which is a total score of a 94%. Yes. If, if I remember correctly, um, Cigar Aficionado rated at a 94, didn't they? I think it's right at a 94. Yeah. Yeah. So let's pause real quick and give a clap for EP. I think this score, and this is strange to me, the fact that I look at this and I go, I scored it a 93, because in my mind, I go 97 all day long. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about this cigar, right? That's your asterisk? That's my bias. My (laughs) bias says 97, 98 range. It cannot be beat. (laughs) That's, That's literally what goes through my head when I was reviewing this cigar. That's why I'm saying at the beginning, I was like, I'm reviewing this one cigar. I'm being as objective as possible, minus the biases. My head's telling me 97, 98, but the objective piece of what we do <laughs> comes in at a 93, yeah. which I think is 100% appropriate for this particular cigar smoked. I love this cigar so goddamn much. I'm so happy we finally reviewed it. I really am, because I think it deserved to be reviewed by us and not by these other people out there who... And this is no bash on anyone else. They reviewed it a long time ago. Like yeah. this cigar was being reviewed back in 2014, 2015. Yeah. We're reviewing it here in 2019. And I think it needs a resurgence. This cigar needs a fucking resurgence because I think people who are newer to the cigar <laughs> community, yeah, people who are newer to the cigar community are coming in and they're smoking a lot of the stuff that's just been previously released or is being released on the market currently. Yeah. You forget about the good old trusty La Historia. The La Historia needs a resurgence. People who are new to smoking, I'm telling you right now, and we're talking about in terms of where this cigar is appropriate, 
this cigar can be smoked by anybody. Yeah. I think this is a wonderful transition cigar into stuff that's more, I would say, mild medium, probably on the lower spectrum of like really bold poppy flavors. I think this is a good transition cigar. I think it's a good segue cigar into the more refined flavors. Yeah. Like this cigar is a wonderful cigar, I think, by anybody yeah. who wants to just smoke something that has a high amount of craftsmanship this behind it. This is the Backstreet Boys of cigars. And I'll tell bye, you this bye, right bye, now. Bye, bye, bye. I oh, want it <laughs> that way. I think it's, I don't think there's a, uh, to me, it's like it just hits all marks. It does. It's it a very really, good cigar. In, in, in terms of like where it's valued in the marketplace, it just hits all marks. I'm, yeah. I'm calling for an E.P. Curiola Historia resurgence here. Bring it back. Sound I get the, the sirens. I, I get that the Encore Majestic made Cigar Fishing is number one. That's also a good one. I've had the cigar. It's a good cigar. Yeah. It ain't no La Historia, baby. It ain't no La Historia. Bring the blue back. I want to see those blue ribbons smattered all over Instagram. Let's make a social media La Historical moment. We should. Let's do... Hashtag La Historical. Lashtag. Ha, lash <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> you can do a lashtag too. <laughs> hashtag La Historical. That'd be fucking dope. I want to see this cigar. I want to see it on Instagram. Because I think it deserves to be there. This cigar is so good. And I think it could hit the mark with so many people in terms of flavor. If you're an aficionado and you're smoking all these wonderful cigars that have these crazy complex flavors that you're now able to understand and break down, this cigar hits that mark. If you're somebody who's looking to challenge their palate a little bit more yeah. and try something new and to kind of get out of some of the more bland, subtle flavors, this cigar is for you. Yeah. It is literally for everybody. There isn't a cigar. The, the, the only time I wouldn't recommend this cigar is to a fucking asshole. Yeah. Just to someone I don't like. Then I'd be like, no, you don't, you suck and you don't get to smoke this cigar because this cigar is reserved for people who aren't cunts. <laughs> is basically the way I think about it. <laughs> if you are not cunty, this cigar's for you. If you're a cunt fuck, then this cigar's not for you. Right? Yeah. You don't you don't get to have it. This cigar is reserved for the people who love, respect, and admire great construction, great quality, great product, great flavors, at a great price. That's so good. Commercial over. You sound like a presidential candidate speech. It felt good. It felt good in the moment. I was blacked out, but it felt good. You should run against or run with Donald Trump. Because you know they're getting rid of MAGA, right? Are they? And it's actually going to now be called FAGA, which is basically, finally, America's great again. <laughs> FAGA. <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, I'm assuming we have no question shout outs or anything <laughs> we this week. Not. We, we, we did not solicit them. Um, I want to do say though, on behalf of Chris and myself, thank you for the people who have joined the hot ticket cigar faction as Lots. of recent. Oh my God. We've gotten a ton of people join up. It seems like everybody is loving the engagement and interaction. I will say this, both you and I have been very busy with other ancillary things Gosh, as it relates yes. to the podcast. Yes. So sometimes our time and attention to the Facebook group is minimal yeah to say the least it doesn't mean i don't love you yeah we love you but that's also why we have three other administrators that help us out with the group is because we just can't sometimes it's difficult for us to devote the same kind of time and attention to yeah. it that we want to just because we're doing other things but those things will start to open up again here in the next few weeks yep i will say this 
The tables are set for episode 100. Yes. Episode 100 is a massive milestone episode for us. And Chris and I were thinking and conjuring a ways like, how do we make this episode incredibly impactful for our listeners? What could we possibly do that is going to amplify itself into the universe? Yeah. That is going to make all kinds of crazy waves in the industry. We've got it, baby. We got it. The tables are set. So it's all set up. It's ready to go. We'll be doing a, a wonderful episode 100 that I think everybody is hopefully going to be insanely tickled with. Yeah. Um, and up until then, this is episode 98. So we've got one before this or one after this, right? Yep. And then we're going to take a week off. Sorry, everybody. We're going to take a week off. We got shit we got to do. Yep. Right? We've got site launch. That's coming up as yep. well. Yep. So that episode 100, a lot of fucking shit happening. A lot of and shit. also, I do want to make quick mention of. Yeah. And we talked about it earlier. We have promised our listeners and we have promised our Facebook Cigar Faction members who have asked numerous amounts of times. I've promised the public, the entire public yeah. of the United States this as well. Currently, we're at roughly 8,600 followers on Instagram. My commitment was is that 10,000, we were going to start creating our merch line. We are 1,400 away, people. 1,400. So if you could slow it down. I will, <laughs> I will put it this way. Yeah. The timeline of which we were going to reach that 10,000 perhaps kicked into gear a little faster than I thought it would. Yeah. Um, I'm not coming out here and going to say, hey, we're going to do a giveaway. Get us 10,000. As a matter of fact, like Chris said, if you could slow it down a little bit, that'd be good. <laughs> you take your foot off the pedal a little bit, pump the brakes. That would be wonderful. Um, I didn't anticipate that that would continue growing. And by the way, our Instagram account just grows organically. Yeah. We don't no do anything. We, there's no promotion. We don't, we don't ask people. We don't do crazy things. We do giveaways sometimes, but it's not. we never do it for gaining followers on Instagram. It's for other shit. Yeah. Sometimes we just like doing it. Some, it's usually just to help other brands. And I like, mean, a yeah. lot of times that's what it is. So yeah. we, we, just, we don't do anything crazy like that. So I appreciate the people who do follow us, and you've done it organically, and you appreciate the things that we're doing. We're rapidly approaching that 10,000 mark, and I am going to keep my promise in saying that once we do hit 10,000, merch line's coming. So yes. Chris and I have already brainstormed some things that we want to come out with with we have some graphic changes that we're making which will be presented in a couple them weeks before episode 100 you likely see them beforehand so some of that will probably be integrated into um some merch stuff but that is coming and once we get about 1400 more the commitment is made that was something that i i absolutely 100 definitively said we were going to do because people have asked for it we so. are men of our word i promise yeah we definitely even are. if it comes later than you think which has happened. Which has happened. Which has definitely happened. But um, I can't thank everybody enough. I appreciate it greatly. I cannot believe that we're at episode 98 right now. I know. We have 99 coming next week. Then we've got the uh, Milestone 100, which is such a huge... I mean, you think about it in terms of how long we've been doing this, which is right at two years. Oh, I think two years this week. Next week, we need to play Prince's 1999 song. Yeah, we can. Or 99 problems, but the bitch ain't won't. Oh, yeah. We could do that. We could do any one of those. There's 99 bottles of beer on the wall. We just do that for the whole episode. Party like it's 19.99. <laughs> That'd be fun. Anyway, be uh, thanks everybody for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed the Law Historia review. Thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast. We greatly appreciate it. How can you find us? You can find myself at the Hot Ticket Pod on Instagram. You can find Chris at Big Six Chris on Instagram. 
We are both main administrators of the Hot Ticket Cigar Faction Facebook group where you can join now. You can find the podcast on iTunes. You can find it on Google Play, Stitcher, Podomatic, and Spotify. Anywhere where you can find podcasts, you can pretty much find ours. Also, if you could, please subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes. We'd greatly appreciate that as well. Again, thanks everybody for listening to this episode of the podcast. We'll be back at you next week. See ya.